Hello and welcome to the Inspired Equity podcast. My name is Richard Putherer and I am the founder of Inspired Equity, the London-based investment business that specialises in property acquisition and development. On this show, we'll discuss all aspects of successful property investing, covering everything from simple buy-to-let properties to multi-million pound developments. In this special five-part episode, I am delighted to share with you some recent Facebook Live recordings I co-hosted with my good friend and fellow international property investor, Peter Liam. In this first part of the episode, we're talking all things property and how we got into this business. Good afternoon, good evening and good morning, depending on where you are in the world. My name is Richard Puthera and I am super excited to be hosting this Facebook Live with my great friend, Peter Leung. I've known Peter for almost five years now and is such a good guy. Peter, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Richard. How are you? Look at, look at you. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got you in the background of, 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 of nice weather and all, huh? Uh, well, yeah, it's, uh, it's we've got the perfect British weather today. It's been raining all day, but at least I've got a great picture behind me. And uh, you sitting in Hong Kong—that's I know that's the actual view from your office. You've um, you, you've got a great great place there. That's it. I'm standing on the mountain top right now. <laughs> but well, I'm, for for those of uh, you that are watching this evening. Uh, as I said, my name is Richard Puther. I'm founder of Inspired Equity, the London-based investment business and uh, I and my good pal Peter decided that we were going to do a series of Facebook lives and talk about all things property. We are not and I can assure you going to be selling anything this is just a bit of fun two guys that do a bit of property around the world uh, sharing some of our experiences and just trying to bring a bit of fun to uh, uh, to everyone and uh, in, in amongst all that hopefully will impart some knowledge and maybe some wisdom as well. Peter, um, Absolutely. You, uh, I, uh, you are the most <laughs> modest person when it comes to real estate. You, I, you, I, I, you, you have property investments uh, on five continents, you're doing some crazy uh, huge residential developments, you've got um, factories plants in other parts of the world and obviously uh, you're based in Hong Kong and this is just a small part of what you do in your normal day-to-day entrepreneurial life you're you're a husband you're a father just an all-round cool guy how did you get into property so Richard this is awesome I mean I can't believe two guys talking about our first time on Facebook live is you and I so this is awesome um so how did I really start I mean I didn't know anything about property back in the day, right? As a matter of fact, I, you know, I didn't grow up with a family uh, in terms of being in the property business. None of, you know, my distant family were property investors. We've never, you know, bought any property outside the property we've ever lived in. And I remember this distinctly, and, and this is back several years, you know, like a decade now. And I remember my father always driving around and we would say, well, we should have bought that. We wish we would have bought that. Had we bought that, we, you know, how much money would that be worth? Where would we be had these things come to fruition? And you know what? And, and I was sort of, as years and years went by, as we're driving these buildings that we could have, should have, and would, you know, would have bought, I realized that 
I have to do something to change this. And, and there were days where I told my father, you know what, why don't we buy it? And he's like, well, there's debt, there's, you know, there's liabilities, you know, interest rates going crazy. So he was, he wanted the vision. He had the vision that he could do some of these things, but he never believed he could. And it was because of that. I mean, you know, I go both ways. One was like, hey, you know, you believe in him or the other way is you try to break that mold, right? And for me, it was like, I'm one, I'm one of those rebellious types that try to figure out, oh, if you tell me you can't, then that's where I'm going to try to figure it out. And uh, this was back 10 plus years ago where, you know, I bought my first property and I realized I bought actually the first property behind his back, right? And in a Chinese family, that's not something you want to do. And literally I bought my first property behind his back and it was in Vancouver. And I remember it came at that time, there's an envelope when you purchase a pre-sale and off plan in the UK property, it actually sends you this, uh, this, this package saying, congratulations on your recent purchase. But I'm already in Hong Kong and my mother received this package in the mail, which DHL, and she goes, would you like me to open this? And I'm like, of course, I'm not coming back anytime soon. She opens up the package instead of calling me, right? She calls my father, right? And calls my father and for the very first time in my life, he sits me down and say, we have to have a chat, right? And I'm 30 plus years old. He was like, hey, we gotta have a chat. And he said to me this, he goes, Peter, we told you not to. We told you that it was risky, that investing in property, we don't, that's not what we know. That's not what we understand. Why did you do it? I got a year full. I remember that time was the only defense that you can give to your, to your Chinese father is I'm sorry. Right. And uh, little did I know that that was the day, you know, that was the best move because from that day onwards, he was actually got you after a, a week of this year full, you know, of, of, of complaining, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? After a week, was, he doesn't talk about it anymore. And after the fact that he didn't talk about it anymore, that's when I went to do it again and again and again. So, you know, that's how it all happened. I mean, that's how I started is, is I did it behind his back because I knew these are the things he wanted. He thought he could, but he, he, he never really had the ability to put all of it together. And for me, it was like, hey, I'm young. Let's go get it done. And that's how I started. I mean, but I mean, hey, man, you've got a very vastly different story. I, it, it's huge, but I, I, I need to pick up on a point there. So, like rolling forward to today, how does your father look at the property investment business that you're the empire that you, you've now grown? Hey, that's a great question. I gotta tell. I got. I gotta put this in there. In 2018, he became a property investor. 2018, it had, and and I tell you what. He said, it has nothing to do with you. I just thought it was a good idea. And of course I said, you're absolutely, you're right. So in 2018, he started buying property because he believed it was the next thing. It was the right thing to do. And it broke his mold of what he believed could be achievable, right? And, and I think that's very important. That belief is very important. And, and, and that changed everything for our family tree going forward from my father to me to now my to, my, to Ted. So this is, uh, it, it's made a tremendous difference to our lives, but, um, yeah, ever, ever since that time. So, yeah. It's, uh, but, it's a lovely story and changed the, uh, the future for the family for good. It's amazing. Amazing. Absolutely. So Richard, I mean, I've met you for all yes. this time. I fell in love with you when we first met, 
right? Literally, I was like, you guys are so cool. You guys are amazing people, right? Both yourself and Nina. And I just said, I fell in love and I got to, you know, stay close to the fire, always sticking around you, you know, getting inspired. That's why the name, right? Inspired Equity. So I, I'm looking at this. So how did you get started? I mean, you had a he- amazing job. You're good looking, right? You're taller than I am. You're successful before you got into property. So how did this all start for you? It, um, you're too kind, Peter. I feel uh, embarrassed and I'm going to blush. Um, you're, you're just too, too kind and too complimentary. I, you're right. I, I was a career person, uh, but I always had this fascination with uh, with property or real estate, uh, largely driven by the fact that I knew my parents, obviously way before I was born, bought their first house, uh, brand new for less than three and a half thousand pounds. And I knew that it was worth over 10 times that when I was a small child. And yet when they bought a new car, that was more than the house was that when they originally bought it. It just, it boggled my mind. So I thought there's, there's got to be something to this. Um, but naturally, if you live in the property that's appreciating, it's all relative and uh, you can't actually access that uh, or, or use that, uh, that that capital that you're building up in the uh, appreciating asset. So um, whilst I was focusing on my career, I had a, an eye on the property market and I kept on feeling that I should. I, we owned our own home, but I kept on feeling that I should be doing something. And, you know, the crazy thing is a few times I went to go and buy uh, a, a, an investment property and just at the last minute I go, do you know what? I don't know why people would want to rent. I think it's probably a, an insecure investment um, and I could have trouble with tenants. And then so I put like sort of just shelve the thought. But I finally got to a point where I was like, this is this is daft. The rental market is still strong. But it turned out me waiting actually paid off quite well because the first investment property I purchased was in 2009. We just had the global economic crisis. Um, and now having educated myself to a, a, a large uh, extent in this industry, I, everything that I was doing was actually um, uh, the things that they teach you in, in property training academy. Um, and I just deployed, it. I'd like to think, a bit of common sense. It was probably just sheer luck and a lot of guidance from Nina, my wife. She's the brains of, of the outfit. But um, we'd got our first property. We'd bought it. We'd negotiated well. It, would, it needed completely fixing up. Um, but the crazy thing is we bought it on a repayment mortgage. So we actually had to pay down the debt as well. So right. it was actually by about £50 a month negatively cash flow. But uh, so, you know, everyone's thinking, well, hang on a second, that's crazy. You don't do that. Why do you buy an investment and then have to pump money into it each month? But I was like, well, hang on a second. You know, we're doing this for the future. I know it's in an area of appreciation and I'm paying down the debt. And that actually um, turned out to, to actually be a, quite a wise decision. So we were happy to invest that small amount of money. We then actually went out um, and bought another property. We negotiated this one so far below market value that we were able to in the days where you could uh, refinance almost immediately and then burnt and bought um, a third property. And it was just at that time where the property market had been so low and it surged forward. And we just built up really, really great pot of, of capital sitting in the properties. But then we got complacent and we were like, yeah, this is cool. This is, you know, this is our retirement fund and the careers carried on. And we, 
we said one day, hmm, do you know what? We were actually, you know, we were, we've, we've been good at this. We've bought smart. We've got some great cash flowing assets now with significant bit of capital behind us. If we do this professionally, imagine how well we'll do. And that's where, that's, you know, it's, it's about the time that we met. I, you know, I, Nina and I have gone to find out the, the best people to uh, educate us in um, the best strategies of property. And today, you know, the, the whole landscape is completely, completely different. We do some crazy uh, and wonderful um, uh, developments. I love taking commercial, industrial buildings and converting them into wonderful modern apartments. So life is really different. And, you know, the career is long behind me. Um, things are uh, com completely different. So, um, yeah, you there we ever, go. Though that you would actually leave, like, I mean, you had such a great career. Did you ever even thought for a second that you would actually leave that career and pursue your own business? Like, did that ever come about? You know, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a really good question that, that you ask because um, I used to think that people that would go out on their own and start their own business or uh, entrepreneurs were, uh, uh, they took a lot of risk. And I, I thought that, you know, career is safe. You've got income each month. And I, I, I had done well in my, uh, my career. The crazy thing is, though, if you have a business and just one customer that pays you, that's a real high-risk strategy. And the, I actually figured out that, hang on a second, that's what a job is. And whilst I had great tenure with my employer, and I still respect the employer immensely to date, you know, um, I, I, I started thinking a bit differently. And that was, you know, I'd started um, reading a, a lot of books, putting myself into that entrepreneurial mindset. And I realized that, starting on my own. I, I have five businesses now. I uh, love all of them. It's it's great fun. Um, five years ago, would I have ever said, you know, uh, I'm going to be talking on a Facebook Live with my good pal who's based in Hong Kong talking about how I got to where I am. No, I'd be saying, well, I'm probably still going to be in a career and earning my money. That's the safe way to do things. So I've had a, what's gone on in here in the last five years, massive, massive shift. And do you know what? The only regret I have is I wish I found it earlier. But I, like, so what, I mean, how did you get family support? I mean, you know, like, cause, cause I mean, we get that all asked all the time, right? In terms of your significant other, I mean, you've got a great job. Why would you give that up? Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're at the pinnacle of the career, right? You're at the pinnacle of your industry, the top 1% in central London, living in a castle. So here's the question, why, why would you? Why, how were you able to get the other support? And, and, and it doesn't necessarily just apply to all property, but I suppose it applies to all the people listening here who you know, are joining us today, but you know, that have businesses. How did you get that support, that buy-in, when you got into property in that case? It, it's, um, it, it, it was relatively easy, and uh, I, I say that um, carefully because I don't want people to think, uh, like watching this like, roll their eyes and go, oh, no, here we go. Um, Nina and I are very aligned. We're, uh, on Tuesday this week, we celebrated 21 years um, uh, together. So she's um, you know, my life partner, best friend. She's an amazing wife. She's a business partner. Um, and the... Uh, she has always had a love for properties as well. Um, uh, she 
and uh, always tried to encourage her mother to uh, buy her own house and offered to you know, actually support her mum in doing that as well because she saw all the benefits of property. So it was kind of a, a, a dual strategy that we both wanted to get into to doing, which is how we started doing the first one and we realised we could do more and more. So uh, that's why I said it was easy because we were really aligned that we thought property was a great way to do it. Um, and then in terms of um, my, my, um, my, my family, um, you know, my, my parents have always been hugely supportive. My uh, uh, mum uh, said to me when I was making a decision about my career when I was about 18 or 19, um, she said, you know, whatever you do, you'll have my absolute full support. Just make sure you go out and do the best at whatever it is you choose to do. So I've always had that uh, resonating in the back of my mind, you know, um, actually go out there, um, give it your best, um, be a great human being, and whatever it is um, uh, that I'm doing, whether I might be you know, um, sweeping the streets or uh, um, um, uh, chairing a, a bank or ma major global corporation, they'd be proud of me just because they knew that I'd, um, I'd given it the right, um, right effort. So, so for everybody who's on here, how yeah. could you not fall in love with this guy, right? He is amazing. Like, you know, he, he's so, you're so genuine. You know, Richard, and, and, and that's the thing when we met in, in looking at property, that was the time where we're all learning. We're going, hey, how can this, how can we make ourselves better? How can we improve? How can we give back? And that's part of doing this is when we talk, you know, we wanted to find a time to chat, right? And because we're both got such busy schedules, we're like, okay, you know, why don't we do this for our, our talk so we can talk property, we can share our views, we can share anything about property just specifically on this and, and any any of you guys have questions for us by the way please leave that here um by the way richard is not single so for those pretty ladies that want to get to know you that is not going to be available but, uh, you know like <laughs> uh, yes. i did not expect this one that direction so <laughs> peter i have to pick up a thing of that and uh, you you mentioned genuine and i'm hum humbled by that um you are too. You are. I mentioned when we opened uh, this uh, this Facebook live. I said, you know, you're you are humble beyond belief. And I I know, and I've only know that I've scratched the surface of what it is that you're doing. And you do some amazing things in property, and you've got other businesses um, as well. But the the, the reason that um, we get on so well, and you're you're genuine, and you help everyone in property. But um, it's all about that being genuine. And um, I, um, I just know that I'm a guy that's doing some properties. Um, why would I not be genuine? If I can help some people along the way and help them achieve what they want to do, then you know, I'm all for that. I've had so many wonderful, wonderful people that are, um, are doing some exceptional things in property in the UK and globally that have given me their time and support and helped me that, you know, it's, it, it's all about giving back. And that's what I love about this industry. I get to meet people like you, Peter, and we can share and we can all grow together. You know, it's this, this whole theory of abundance. There's, there's enough property to go around, be cool, be a great uh, human being, do the right thing for your investors, your clients, your staff, and um, there's just no reason why you can't have a bit of fun along the way. Absolutely. So David here is asking us about, can you tell us more about what your core strategy is, Richard, and how the 
how these are positioned over the next few months. So a little bit like what you said, you know, a little bit of that market update, but we got carried away. But yeah, uh, yeah, so what's, sure. what's so, your strategy going forward? So um, I, if I just talk about the UK, so I currently invest uh, in the UK um, and the US. So I'm not as major a uh, global player as, as Peter. We're going to come on to you in a minute, Peter. Um, so strategies at the moment. Um, well, um, there's there's been a lot going on in the market. And uh, before I talk about what type of properties I'm, I'm going to buy, I'd probably be best if I actually give a, uh, my view on where the market is. Um, and because just yesterday, and I was actually on a webinar last, webinar last night, and I, I gave these yes, two examples. Uh, yesterday, the UK government announced that um, they were actually going to um, make a holiday on the purchase tax, uh, tax for properties in the UK, so SDLT, Stamp Duty Land Tax. And I saw on all the property um, uh, social media pages, people lighting up, going, oh, yes, we're going to go and buy, we're going to go and buy. Now, uh, the actual holiday um, is largely driven towards owner-occupiers, so people that want to buy a property to live in it. There will be some small savings for an investor. Um, but let's say on a £300,000 property, the savings is going to be about less, well, it's going to be about 1.7%. Yesterday also, Savills, one of the major uh, um, uh, UK uh, real estate agents, uh, had given their to, to year-end predictions of a softening in property prices of 7.5%. So people want to jump on this bandwagon, go out and buy because they've been offered a small saving to ultimately <clears throat> potentially devalue their investment. So it's not just about the type of it, it's how your mind's thinking at the moment about the market. Uh, we haven't seen the full effect of, full effect of uh, COVID-19 yet. The government's still supporting uh, um, the uh, companies and also they're supporting the payment for furloughing of staff. I sadly think that come October when um, that's going to um, start um, being unwound, we will see a lot of redundancies. Redundancies have a direct impact on spend, also have a direct impact on um, um, property. And so um, we need to be careful that we don't jump into a deal. Now, there are still loads of deals around at the moment. You have to buy smart. Peter, you know that you make money in property when you buy, not when you sell. So it's about getting the right deal, but being mindful of um, uh, what the, uh, the market is doing. So coming on to strategies, David. Sorry, Peter, you have a... I do have a question for you. So would you say that we're still in the very early stages of like ground zero? I mean, every, largely everybody stopped talking about COVID and, and whatnot. At the very beginning, everybody's talking about it, right? So recently, a lot less has been talking about it. So what, what's that like in your area? Do people still talk about COVID? Just like Brexit was coming gone, right? After the first three months, you're like, okay, nobody really talked about it. So at this point in time, would you say that we're still in ground zero, just getting into the next phase of, of COVID? Yeah, so it's not being talked about as much, but behaviors are still very different. Um, the, the streets are busier again and the, um, the, the normal day-to-day seems like it's got back to normal. But changes in habits, meetings are very much happening on, online now. Um, the, um, the major offices in London isn't quite uh, as busy uh, as before for, um, for like the corporate sector. Um, but everyone wants to get back to it. You know, I had to shut down two of my development sites, quite rightly so, during COVID. 
um, but they've reopened again and we've, um, we're starting to sort of behave normally um, again. But just people's approach to things is, is slightly different. But yeah, I, I think general, uh, generally uh, the, everyone's a little bit tired of talking about it. Uh, and then socially, and this is the thing that worries me, socially there's almost been a, a blatant disregard to it. You know, we've seen, we've had some great weather recently in the UK, we've seen beaches flooding with people. I still think we need to be a little bit careful. You know, we've sadly lost globally many, many, many people and we need to make sure that we're still respecting this, this virus because it is a real thing. Right, so four um, strategies. So, so strategies. Um, for those people that are investing in uh, HMOs, houses in multiple occupation, there has been a slight softening in demand because um, people that use it's co-living, shared living spaces. So um, there's been a slight move away from that. There's been an increase in demand in one and two bedroom apartments or flats. Sadly, we've seen uh, families that have been locked down together for three or four months decide that they can't actually coexist and um, move away so that um, the rental market is in increased but at the, at the moment you know the, the um the actual sales market is buzzing my friend put his uh, house on the market yesterday he had 23 viewings confirmed by the end of the today um, by the end of the day and two cash offers at full asking price before people have even seen it so we've got all this pent-up demand but again i think that um that's uh, just a bit of excitement in the market um so strategies, I still um, am looking at new sites and still have a number in bills of one and two bedroom apartments. They're great for retaining as, um, as you build and retain them in your portfolio to rent and the demand is exceptional at the moment. And also the help to buy scheme. So it's the government supported scheme that allows um, uh, the, uh, the actual um, uh, buyer of the property to have the deposit largely funded by the government. Um, so that's for first time buyers. Um, we are a help to buy developer. And so we, it's, it means you're opening up your sales to a much wider uh, market. So I, I love that strategy. But also at the moment, I don't necessarily want to be releasing to market new homes in six months, nine months, because we don't really know where the market's going to be. So I'm actually now looking for um, uh, land um, plots of lands where I can actually do ground up development. So either build an entire um, block of flats or build new homes because those projects are about double the time it takes to convert an industrial building. Um, so uh, it means that we'll be releasing those to market in 18 to 24 months. So we still don't know where the market will be, but I think we'll have got over this initial hurdle. So uh, I'm happy to go for the longer term projects, but still looking for those one and two bedroom apartments. Rental market's going to be um, continue to be strong. We're further into generation rent anyway, and with uncertainties with the economy, um, there's you know the masses will be saying, well, "I'm just going to need to sit this out. I might not buy. I'm going to go into rent." So I love building those one or two bedroom apartments to keep in um, our portfolio as well. And you love cash flow, right? I love yeah, well, I, I love cash flow and capital, but that, so that's why we keep some for cash flow and then we sell some for capital. It's kind of a, a, a good strategy. But there's there's loads of things going on. But one thing I'm really um, concerned about at the moment, you know, there's going to be a lot of properties that come to market in the UK that will need full renovation. Um, you know, COVID has uh, unfortunately um, uh, uh, left some homes empty. Um, but with the market, we don't know where it will be in six uh, to nine months' time. People that are buying to flip on, 
you might want to um, consider a, a, a longer term flip. So you buy, keep it as a rental for maybe a couple of years and then um, then flip it on. So you've seen yourself out of the other side of uh, what could be a very quiet market um, once we see the full impact of COVID. So beginning part of next year. Right. So, David, I hope that answers your question. It's a very broad subject and there's so many strategies I, I could be talking to, uh, about the intricacies of each one. We didn't even touch on location there. Peter, I've been doing all the talking. What's your view? What's I your strategy? I, I, but that's the whole point, man. I mean, I love I love hearing from you, brother. Um, you know, my strategy, I think, largely was was working with uh, AAA tenants, international tenants. So guys like Tesco, Walmart, Ikea, Costco, Shopper Drug Mart, Save On Foods, companies of that nature where I, I put uh, one and one together. So I might be looking for a site, put them together in terms of a rental. I love cash flow. That's the one thing I've, you know, I've always learned uh, as much as equity matters to me. I, I always realize when I go to Starbucks, the last thing I can't pay with my equity, right? I got to only pay with cash, right? They only take a set credit card. And and cash, they don't accept uh, you know equity in my in my home. So I've always focused on on cash flow as my core strategy. So I've always put together these strategies where I work with investors, I work with uh, uh, serial businesses or international businesses where I put one and one together, where I find a site, put them into a building, and sign a 20 25 year lease. I love getting paid year after year, month after month, and um, a lot of turnkey strategies is really what buys for me. Yeah, but, you know, moving on to post-COVID, I think that, you know, that further adds on to one other strategy, which uh, I would try to kill two birds, one stone, would be the, uh, the industrial space, right? So as logistics, I mean, they say a million, a million dollars worth of uh, logistics uh, sales per month is going to require a million square foot, right, worth of warehousing. So it's, it's massive amounts of uh, logistics that has to be available in the marketplace and no city for the most part, whether it's, you know, in places like that, that I invest, of course, in Vancouver, Toronto and, and, and Canada as well as us or even UK, there's not a lot of dedication to industrial property because there's low, it's usually typically low density. It's usually out in the suburbs a little bit. So, you know, I'm looking at the strategies of industrial and how that can provide for long-term strategy as well. And actually making, a lot of you know in the UK planning permission or or in the in in Canada rezoning of properties where it allows me to get a bigger uh, floor space ratio or what we call FSR and that allows us to build multi-story uh, industrial buildings. So that's what we've done, right? We've done projects where we've done like self-storage warehouses, we've done car washes, uh, basically all turnkey strategies with regards to property, and that we can hold property for a very very long time and uh, collect the cash flow from the real estate, collect the cash flow from the business, and eventually have the equity to go with it <clears throat> later upon in time as well. And that's the combination that I'm looking for post-COVID. Anything to do with uh, industrial, anything to do with robotics, anything to do with um, uh, places of um, you know, factories, this is what's required. You know, PPE is not gonna be produced in just China, it's gonna be produced in each country themselves because they wanna be able to ha have that facility for themselves. So a lot of this is going with the trend, right? I see it as, you know, of course, residential is always gonna be in, in, in demand and residential will always be in favor because you always need a place to live. And that's why Richard, you've done such a great job, you know, putting up, you know, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, because that's a staple demand and it's always gonna be required in any market. So I think both you and I are looking at timeless strategies that can always move forward. 
um, you know, as, as we build our property portfolio. So, but I also, for the interest of time though, we've got quite a few questions, a lot of them coming on WhatsApp. So can you, oh, well, the okay, WhatsApp? So I mean, whilst you're looking at WhatsApp, I'm going to ask you a question from Craig Sherwood. I know Craig is, is based here in the UK. Uh, he's saying, thanks for sharing the knowledge. Um, can I ask if, if you both think that creativity of the deal is more important than trying to buy below market value in the current market? Peter, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, here's the thing. I mean, the typical model answer is always buy below market value, right? But at the same time, I do absolutely acknowledge, Craig, you got to be creative. So I'm, I'm buying a, a $12.5 million piece of property and we're completing in September, right? We've come to an agreement in terms of that in June of 2020. So this is like 14, 15 days ago, I come to agree. But I'm not necessarily buying significant below market value, but I'm also at the... I'm also creative in the way I know with certainty that I'm going to get a significant uplift because of a rezoning application. So sometimes it's not, you know, it's not the cost of the shovel, right? So, you know, you, you got to put your thinking hat on, be entrepreneurs, right? A Chinese saying of entrepreneur means live person, right? Live ideas. That's what it means in Chinese. So you got to be creative. It's not, you know, yeah, buy below market value, you know, like it's the same thing as buy low, sell high. Every donkey knows how to do that in, in, in stocks, but how many people can do it? It's not just that it's being creative. Why, why are you doing this strategy? What works? So I wouldn't say, you know, buying below market value is, is, is BS. It's absolutely required that you identify how you can make your money, how you can get into the deal and be in the money almost right away. So creativity is definitely a part of doing that as a deal. If, if you don't do that, then, then you're just buying retail. I mean, then of course, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend that in this time or any time in property. So Richard, what's your take? Um, I uh, firstly, great answer, Peter. I love it. I've got no pressure on me to come up with a, 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 um, a an equally good answer. Uh, Craig, I have in the past paid more for a, um, a property than they're asking for, um, but you need to um, proceed with caution there. Um, but you just need to look at where you can add value and look for the things that other people haven't seen. Before we actually complete on any purchase, we ask two questions. What have we seen that other people haven't? And what have those other people seen that we haven't? So that's the final check. Before we sign off that, right, okay, funds are going, we've signed the, the, uh, the contract, we just do that final check. Many times you can be creative and actually come up with a structure, but um, proceed massively with caution at the moment. Um, the term uh, buying below market value, what is market value at the moment? No one's really sure because we, you know, the, it's a uh, market value is whatever um, anyone wants to pay for it. Um, so I'll reframe that. You need to buy wisely. You need to de-risk it. If you want to pay what the person is saying that they see the value, agree to it, but defer payment, structure a deal. Find out what the, uh, uh, the vendor, the person selling the property is really looking for. Structure a deal so it means that you've de-risked it for you. They get what they want. Um, uh, the thing I really love about property is, and I was only saying this to somebody earlier, you can create the most imaginative solution, provided that you agree with it and the other party agrees with it and your lawyer can write it into a contract. That will work. And I've come up with some really quite creative or somewhat crazy um, uh, structures to deals that means that 
I'm actually not having to pay the full purchase price now or any of the purchase price now, but you're actually getting that back end once you're realizing your profit. Derisive you, person gets the money that they want. So creativity is key, but you know, um, you need to proceed with caution at the moment. So for the interest of time, I know we got questions, but I'm going to take your word because we're going to do another session specifically on creative strategies because I want to know what the heck you're doing. That's crazy that you want to write into a contract. So we're going to do that another day. But Stephen's okay. asking this, right? Stephen Live is asking what type of tools, strategies do you use to streamline your daily business activities? What do you focus on in your business versus in your business? Ultimately, how do you get things off your plate? Focus on income generating tasks and grunt work. So systems and outsourcing. So uh, why don't you take this? Thank you. Um, so uh, great question, Stephen. Thanks ever so much. So there's uh, a couple of important things here. And uh, the first one is focus and what does your business ultimately do? And when you break it down to those very simple tasks, you can then focus on getting the right things done. My business, Inspired Equity, we do two things. We look for great real estate deals and we raise capital. So what do I focus my time on? Those two things. Am I going out and trawling through um, internets? No, I'm not. I get deals um, presented to me that have gone through a, a funnel process, but I just want to look at deals and I love engaging with our investors. They're a wonderful bunch of human beings, really, really cool people. And I love engaging with them and coming up with some uh, uh, exceptional results for them. Uh, so, uh, all the other things, you either outsource or have uh, um, staff members to, to do that for you. Um, I have a couple of reminders. So um, uh, the, uh, uh, in uh, my bathroom on the mirror where I shave at each day, it says, and this is something I picked up from the wonderful Kevin E. France. Uh, it says, um, what is the one thing that I'm going to do today to grow my business? So, you know, before I've even got into uh, a business attire, uh, I'm already thinking um, uh, those things. I've got a thing on my desk and it says, focus on the important, not, um, not the urgent. Um, and so it, it's, it's making sure that your mind is 100% laser beam focused on the important things in your business. Um, Nina, my wife, has just been reading a book called Essentialism. And so if I do anything that falls outside of raising capital or finding deals, um, Ultimately, we all know I mean, she's, she's, she's my business partner in Inspired Equity. She's my boss. She's the CEO. I'm the, 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 uh, um, the, the, the operations guy. You know, but uh, she, she reminds me, is that essential to the business? So it's, it's keeping your eye on the prize, really, um, Stephen, uh, using the software tools available to you uh, and uh, staff subcontractors to, to, to ensure that uh, you're actually focusing on the things that grow your business. That is a fantastic fantastic answer Richard so we only wanted to do this for about 40 minutes at our sort of outset Richard you were like yeah how are we ever gonna get the 40 minutes I'm like man we did it like that so you know what everybody loves hearing from you I love hearing from you and you know what for the interest of, of time as well for all of you guys on here thank you for joining us what we're gonna do though here is this uh, Richard and I committed to, to chatting on a multi-week basis. So join us next week, same time where we talk raising capital. A lot of people talk about that. Richard, you've raised, I, I'll let you divulge what you raise or if you want to do that we, next time. Uh, we, you yeah, we, we do okay. We do okay. We, we do, do okay. okay, right. I mean, humble. So I look at that and I go, you know what? We're going to talk 
not only all things property, but we're going to talk all things raising capital in a week's time. And I know all of you guys want to learn. A lot of people, you know, message on, on, on WhatsApp, like say, move that to, to Facebook. And, and we're going to talk about how we raise capital. We're going to talk about, you know, how we deploy that capital and the, and the functions around that. Um, so I look forward to sharing a lot of our strategies as well as that of Richard's. I'm going to pick his brain so he spills all his secrets. So join I'm us. I'm coming at you as week. well, Peter. I'm coming at you. Hey, what? You know, it's just who asked the questions first. I asked the questions. Um, yeah, so with I, that I being said. I can see your tactic. I can see your tactic. It's been it, it, it working. So join us next week.